We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing with What is Islam, page 97, the foregoing discussion. Who wants to do the reading? I can do it. The foregoing discussion has presented a historical scenario of significant societies of Muslims who thought and lived in a manner that destabilizes any reflexive conceptualization we might have of Islam, having been constituted by the overweening or unmediated supremacy of those sources of revealed truth that we moderns are intellectually conditioned to regard as primary, the Qur'an, hadiths, um, or Islamic law, to which common conceptualization I will return to chap- I will return in chapter 2 below. Okay, anybody want to translate this into simple English? Yes. It's like eight lines. <laughs> Harder than any final, I just said. <laughs> also, we're only on chapter one. Yes. Or are we not even on chapter one? Well, we made it almost through 100 pages, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, he's basically yeah. saying that um, what we're talking about before is uh-huh. basically saying that um, the way people actually live, you know, deconstructs like what we preconceive of how Islam was you said as being deconstructs and preconceives <laughs> in like the same sentence that was impressive yeah um, yeah but exactly it's basically saying that revelation wasn't necessarily the unmediated supremacy mm-hmm. in in most of Muslim in most of the Muslim world yeah so he's, he's uh, saying exactly that that when we in the modern era think of Islam we think of Quran hadith Islamic law but when you look at how Muslims practice their Islam uh, that doesn't seem to be the, the, the case throughout uh, so much of Islamic history. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, they were right, because uh, one of the points he makes at the beginning of the book is that he's not a- uh, addressing what will get you salvation. But it is fair to assume that many, many, many of those people were serious about their Islam, um, and yet Quran, Hadith, Islamic law were not at the center at least not in the way we think about it, right? Quran is definitely permeating their culture. Hadith is permeating the culture. Islamic law is permeating the culture as opposed to it being the, 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 the source or the capstone of how the culture operates. And, and so that's one of the key points of the whole book. You look like you're about to say something. Yeah, I don't understand what they're destabilizing or what is destabilized. Uh, let's see. I would say it destabilizes like our preconception. Yeah. So um, the discussion that he had destabilizes our conception of what went on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, he's basically saying yes. Yeah, uh, the conception we have is not as strong as we think. No. It's a reflexive conception too. What does that mean? Meaning, like it's instinctive to think that because yeah. of because of what we, I'm not sure why why we think that. Maybe it's because it's so prevalent nowadays. I think uh, a big part of it. There's a few things. I don't know if he talks about this later on. Like, why do we today look at Quran, Hadith, Islamic law as a whole foundation? And we think of it so much that, you know, it's almost like, well, why would we think anything else? Um, one is so much of the Muslim world migrated from wherever, uh, wherever it was, wherever people were, to Western countries. And then the question becomes, what, did you, what do you hold on to? Mm-hmm. Right? So for a while, they're holding on to culture and everything. But eventually that gets wiped away as everyone gets Westernized and modernized and stuff. And so then the, the communities will start to rebuild themselves. And so, uh, you'll, like if you look in, uh, in the practice of Islam across Chicago, 
the more vocal people, which is, you'd think this is all of Islam in Chicago, but it's actually the vocal people, you know, what are the chutbahs? It's Quran, Hadith, Islamic law, mm-hmm. right? But then, you know, all over, all over Chicago, there's people who practice Islam much more like what we see in this book. We just don't notice them, right? You know, one of the places where there's a crossover would be like, you know, in Maulids, Milad and Nabi type things. Um, but otherwise, it's almost like two separate communities. Have you heard of the Grand Maulid in uh, Mecca Center? Yeah. That was like the first time I felt like those two communities kind of, yeah. you know, intersected mm-hmm. you know like it was really weird that like i never expected to be held in like mecca center for example mm-hmm. um so that's just me. that's a, that's also recent ish mm-hmm. um so there's like this uh, i forgot what they're called like chicago maulid community, mm-hmm. community yeah community. they're organizing it yeah so they've been doing it for like 40 years yeah, yeah. um oh, but wow. and it used to be at masjids mm-hmm. uh, uh but now it's beginning to return to masjids um but for so in my childhood, it was in masjids, and now it's in masjids, but for a huge period of time in between, it was not in masjids. It would be like a McCormick place or something. Yeah, I've oh, gone like to those yeah. consistently for the past few years, and uh-huh. I've never been in a masjid. Yeah. Plan. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but that's an example. But I'm saying there's even people, there's, there's big pockets of Muslim communities um, that won't even go to those because they're too orthodox. And orthodox doesn't mean like Islamically correct, orthodox in the sense of rigid i wouldn't tell people when i went so mm-hmm. when i would go and we would like know not to say anything mm-hmm. and i'm saying like uh, for a lot of the sufi communities in chicago those are too rigid see what i'm saying yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and and so that's yeah. essentially what he's he's addressing so i think that's one reason one reason is <clears throat> is that people are trying to rebuild their their islam and mm-hmm. so they're starting with the text i think a lot of another is just um, the western influence through protestant christianity that in Protestant Christianity, it's all about the, the text, as opposed to Catholic uh, Christianity, right? Um, I mean, modern American Western Catholic Christianity is very Protestant in terms of its focus on text, but you know, like, but Protestant Protestant Christianity, it's it's all about the Bible, right? And to put in perspective, among my colleagues here, and I don't know if, if they're there right now, we could even ask them like uh, what they think. Uh, very very rarely do I hear from uh, the Bible being quoted by my Catholic colleagues, whereas my Protestant colleagues are very frequently quoting it, right? And so, like, for example, we'll begin all of our meetings with a prayer, and, you know, it's just like, you know, this week it's your turn, this week it's your turn. And all of the, the, so the vast majority of our department, obviously, is Catholic, and their prayers are always, you know, here's a prayer from this saint, or here's a, a prayer for nature that I found, and stuff like that. And they're all really nice. Protestant colleagues will be going straight to, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know? And I think a lot of that is also influencing uh, the Muslim community. Mm. So. Well, those are just my theories. Okay. <clears throat> and so what it, if, uh, another way to frame this is that the current Islam we have is a whole bunch of little pieces kind of put together, whereas Islam through much of our history was more like this seamless organic whole, that this was when we talk about it being a lifestyle, yeah, this is how we live. So you know how, like, the Christian concept of, like, hymns and stuff like that, uh-huh. um, does that inform the Muslim practice of, you know, singing, uh, writing songs about the Prophet, for example? Interesting. Uh, I don't know, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it was the other way, other way around, mm-hmm. right? That a lot of things that we take as standard uh, of Christianity um, 
uh, especially in the arts, uh, you'd be surprised how much of that actually comes from Muslims. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we do, you'd be surprised how much of it comes from other Christians or, or pagans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, things like, you know, the structure of a church, especially medieval churches and stained glass, that's actually coming from us, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of what we're doing is coming from Eastern Orthodox Christians, right? Um, so I think it's just, it all goes back and forth. I know like rosaries, like the tasbih, uh -huh. it's either from them, they take it from us, or they take it from yeah. them, which one. Like I'm going through, the, uh, you know the Warrens, um, um, like who, do, who comes to mind first when I say the Warrens? Warren Buffett. Yeah. Okay, who comes to, uh, first to mind for you? No one, and then I still have to <laughs> so this is uh, that husband and wife that like you know D Jin's houses or exercises. What? Houses. Yeah, well I'm going through the biography, right? Yeah. Wait, when I'm was gonna this? write this down. Like the Conjuring? Have you watched the Conjuring? The, Wait, you know, but are they Muslim? No, 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 no. I'm saying okay. Jin, but they're exercising. <laughs> Asalaamu Alaikum. Yeah. And so why am I talking about them? Oh, because they're talking about the power of of rosaries. Isn't oh, Omar coming? Should I close? You can leave it open and close. Are there other people here? No. That doesn't matter. Uh, he's not here he's not. with me. I don't know. Is he still coming? <laughs> I think so. Okay. So, but the point is that, yeah, there's this line in there about, like, you know, about, like, the power of rosaries and how these demonic forces hate them. And you will find similar commentary about, like, thespies and, and you know, jinns hating them and all that stuff. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. So I don't know who's getting it from whom. When did these people live? No, they're alive right now. Oh, really? They're like in Connecticut or... Like in The Conjuring, they're from Sheboygan, which, <gasps> you know, which is awesome. <laughs> don't know why that made you so happy. But like, for whatever reason, like, Southsiders love the Sheboygan accent. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah that's why I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's the accent, right? Yeah. And, but in reality, they're from like Connecticut or something. But... Like, Mr. Warren is the only non-priest who is authorized by the Catholic Church to do exorcisms. Oh, yeah. mm. Is the biography good? Um, well, I see, I was, I thought it would scare me. Watch it. Like, like, and yeah. It's a scary movie. Like with the, it's with it's the fun. Andal or whatever, right? Yeah, and I, I heard, like, like the third movie is also pretty good, too, Annabelle. Yeah, yeah. They even talk about Annabelle in, in the book. Yeah. I started watching Annabelle. Yeah. I think I finished it, but I was really scared. Yeah. But the I, I was hoping for the book to be scarier, uh, but two things are happening. It's not really that scary because... Because um, you believe in Allah. <laughs> that could be it, but uh, I think it, you reach a point where all this gets objectified in the sense that it just becomes like steps. You know, suppose you have someone with cholesterol. You know, you don't like all get it, start getting all sad. It's just like, oh, you got to go through these steps now. So if you have someone who has... You know, their fridge is floating around their house. <laughs> then it just reaches a point in my brain that it's just like, all right, well, you got to go through these steps now to make sure the 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 gin the 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 the, the, uh, the fr <laughs> it just it just becomes procedure. Then I just remember from that Ghostbusters. It was the first uh, big uh, possession movie. What was Exorcist? The Exorcist, yeah. Or Poltergeist? No. No, Exorcist. Exorcist. And I'm, I don't know why in one movie I'm imagining like a bed floating. Is that yeah, that was Exorcist. Oh. Yeah, it's in a number of these movies. Yeah, and it's in a, this book too. Yeah, I'm always scared of like walking into my bedroom yeah. with the bed floating. <laughs> but okay, but uh, if you haven't reached this point, you, I think you will specifically find yourself um, reaching a point with students where you're gonna diagnose and then start going through steps. Right? Like I do that with a lot of students. 
almost instinctively. When you say diagnose, what do you mean? Like student comes to me with a problem, and usually, often I can figure out much of the problem before they sit down, especially if it's somebody that is coming for the first time. Is that through like information you're processing or intuition? I, 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 I know they're both information. I think it's less intuition than I think it is. Um, I'd like to say it's intuition and make myself sound really cool, but I think it's just having now talked to, you know, or sat hundreds or thousands of times with students okay. that it's just, I don't even think uh, I'd be able to identify what specifically I'm noticing because it's like really fast. And then still, it's like all those thoughts are on hold, like as a hypothesis. Student starts talking, and then in my mind, I'm like, okay, they should do this, and they should do this, they should do this. I think you'll probably find yourself doing that after, you know, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of visits from students. So I'm saying with these, you know, demonic things, it also becomes that way too. It becomes procedural. Right? At first, yeah, it, it's terrifying. I was expecting the book to scare me. That's part of the reason I was going through the book. And then my brain just started becoming procedural. Literally. It was like that in the right. Wow. The movie. Yeah, the, uh, the movie wasn't all that great, but yeah, it's a, it's that type of thing. Anthony Hopkins is this loyalist, loyal grad who's like exercising and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. How do we get on that topic? <laughs> uh, the but something about but how do we get into the rosaries? rosaries? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, who's getting what from whom? <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's continue. We have seen rather that Islamic philosophy subordinates the Qur'an to the supremacy of reason, which is to say not merely that the text of the Qur'an is read rationally, rather the concept of the Qur'an as a text of divine revelation is constructed and read subject to the demands of a total truth matrix elaborated by reason, in which reason, philosophy, is the higher truth and the text of revelation the lower. Okay, translate that. Who wants to translate it? I think this is a, actually an easier sentence than the previous one. This is saying this is how it's been historically? For much of history, that, yeah. The individual reason was... Superior. Yeah. Meaning, I don't think anybody would say that reason is superior to the Quran. But in terms of the way people were approaching it, you're looking through the lens of, of reason as your primary method of interpreting. And so thus reason becomes your filter through which to understand the Quran, which means everything that doesn't fit within reason... Would, would then be categorized as like miracle or something like that. Reason as opposed to what? Uh, submission. So basically, how does much of Islamic law uh, uh, play out? That you're saying the Quran is not just the default, even its word choices are the default, even its grammatical choices are the default, and then from that you're constructing principles and ideas. Mm -hmm. Literally, so it's starting out as a grammatical exercise. That's the whole foundation of Islamic law. Like, when you get into all the way to the bottom, mm -hmm. so you one layer is the Quran, the words of the Quran, and then another layer above that would be just deriving grammar from it and meaning. And then from there, constructing this whole edifice that eventually becomes Islamic law, right? As opposed to reason, which is ideas, right? Okay, so you have these ideas that you postulate. Yeah. And you look to the Quran to confirm or deny them? Yeah. Okay. And, and so, uh, so think of it uh, today. A lot of the ways we approach Islam is through values, you know, type of ideas. So let's say the value is justice or equality. Mm -hmm. And then if something doesn't fit with our conception of that value, we'll say, well, that's 1,400 years ago. Mm. Thus, it, that part of it's old. Mm -hmm. And so then to, to, to bring it to today. You know, you know, whether we're talking about gender or, you know, in, uh, sectarianism. Or, or we just contextualize it. 
I mean, it, the effective result becomes contextualizing. We're saying we're contextualizing, but what we're actually doing is we're saying values supersede the Quran. So everything that does not conform to our values, that's when we invoke the whole contextualization thing. So where did the values come from? Whatever's in the air right now. Yeah. Yeah. But does then how does Islam inform those values then? So, so you have this this really loose <laughs> people who are to the one person who's actually listening to this recording. The uh, lights just lights just went out. Okay. You think it was Shaitan? Could be. Whoa! <laughs> you know, I Someone just went by. Believing in gym possession. I'm, totally <laughs> I'm serious. If I stop believing in it, I just stop being serious. Wait, why did you? Isn't it real? Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's, Where's the textual evidence? Oh, it's totally real. Yeah, there's textual evidence. There's heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, there probably is. <laughs> Listen, I just heard. Listen, yeah. someone I know said it wasn't real, so I'm gonna go with it. Okay. Just like someone. Umar, Umar Muzaffar by his uh, best friend Mufti Abu Layth. Uh, Alrighty. So yeah. <laughs> I forgot these are recorded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I almost asked a question earlier, and I'm like, no, it's okay. recording. Well, you can that, still ask. Did I, I just throw out the recording? Oh, we didn't say. Oh, so in any case, <laughs> the point being that, um, what was your question about the values? What informs what? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So so there's one approach that comes from Fazl Rahman, which he calls like the double movement theory, and it's really really loose. It's not very precise. Where he says basically, <clears throat> and I'm totally going to say it wrong, but I think you start with the text, and then you look at what the text says versus how you do things today. And how you think the thing is today, and you go back and forth between the two, okay. And then going back and forth will help you figure out what your answers are. So it's kind of like not so much that Islam or the Quran is informing it; it's like it's uh, Islam or the Quran is merging with it. Okay. Which, practically speaking, is what we all do more than we realize. Is that correct? That's that's what he's asking here, right? I mean, so again, will that give me salvation? That's a different question than what the book is trying to answer. But how have Muslims practiced their Islam over the years? Um, if we look at it from that perspective and we say that these Muslims are serious about Islam and salvation and everything, then maybe it isn't wrong. Are you, are you raising your hand or waving? My old Choose roommate from. is over there that I haven't seen in like is it, seven is it years. Who should knock? Really? No, they just looked in. Oh. Did they see you? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. And they just kept walking away. <laughs> right. Oh, so is that usually what people do? Just not acknowledge? <laughs> That's what happens yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. That happened to me when no one let me in. Yeah, I don't even know how you got in anyway. You just walked through the door. Okay, let us continue. Simply, not enough emphasis is placed on the recognition of this fact when thinking about the human and historical phenomenon of Islam. Although it is what Michael Marmura... He's a teacher in Toronto. I think he recently passed away. ...is grasping at when he says of the philosopher's concept of Islam, in the final analysis, it is religion that must accommodate itself to philosophy and not the other way around. Mm. And is also what Peter Heath is alluding to when he says of the philosopher's Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics of the Quran. Here, the Quran has lost its position of textual purpose. Okay, so how do we translate what's being said here? So forget the names of the people and everything. So basically, the Quran is not given a 
that like reverential position mm -hmm. in lines of philosophy. Yeah. And I don't know, I'd use the word different than reverential, but essentially the top position, right? Okay. That reason supersedes. In practice, everybody does this, right? So what does it, what really supersedes with common Muslim and the Quran, how they live their life? And so the common Muslim will practice the Quran, this little piece here, that little piece there, that little piece there. And more often than not, it's what already fits into their life and then the small changes they might be making. As opposed to, like, in theory, we'd like to say, yeah, I'm going through the whole text and in implementing the whole text, you know, step by step or whatever. You will find almost no one who does that. You'll find very few people who actually do that. A lot of people who believe they're doing that. But if you actually look at someone's practice in their life, no, this is literally what we're illustrating. Meaning people will look back at the practice of Islam in 2017. So 500 years from now, you know, assuming we don't all get genocided by then, but I mean, five years from now, people look back at the Islam of people in America and probably describe it the same way that what you see in this book. Because if you look at the whole lifestyle of, of, of Muslims or Muslim community, you know, in our imagination, you know, Islam might be like, you know, permeating everything. But when you're looking from the outside in, you know, how much of it is actually, you know, uh, apparent that it's Islam. Are we talking about, like, so, in, so different people are invested in different levels in Islam, right? Sure. So, like, someone might be Muslim just by name, and mm -hmm. someone else might be going to the mosque mm -hmm. by times a day. So, what would you say, like, that principle applies to? Would it apply to the bell curve, meaning people in so, the middle? So, I'm saying, imagine the people, even the people who go five times a day, mm -hmm. right? And I'm assuming in your bell curve, they're, like, you know, the at the extreme end of like super piety and all that stuff. Like the three-fourths mark. Okay, mashallah. Yeah. So, so the point is that if you look at that, those people's whole lives, okay. Holistic. Uh, holistic. That was random. Okay, so if you look at their, their whole lives, what, what, is their, what is their Islam? So if we're talking about five times a day, we're talking about an hour out of their day. What about the other 19 hours? I think I was waiting for that line. Which one? I've been just shooting long enough to... Which line? How much time is really exactly lived Islam? That's yeah, that's what so I'm saying. What about when they are civil engineers? Yeah, right. Doctors. But I would argue that a person who, for example, like that's a characteristic of someone who has like God in his mind, or okay. um, so the one who maybe. prays five times. No, but maybe. I think you're also talking about like and then salvation, right? The yeah, well, I well, 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 finish your point. Yeah. The in between time, like God informs that person's, you know. Okay. Actions. So, so then we look at that person's day mm -hmm. and compare it to their non-Muslim neighbor. Mm -hmm. What's different? Their intentions. Uh, which is not something that we can see um, from the outside. Right. And so the point is that uh, where is their Islam manifesting? Your point is that in their heart and in mind, you know, Islam is all over the place and everything. Yeah. In theory, right? Uh, but using this book, we'd argue that maybe it's not even in their intentions as much as we think. Okay. Uh, so think of, okay, what is in the language of the Quran, the, uh, outside of shirk, what is like the biggest sin you can commit? Um, there's like Worse. a list of 10, right? Interest. The, the, yes, riba. So, oh, so okay. let's say riba, okay, whether we say it's interest or not, the community says riba equals interest, mm -hmm. right? And so, yes. Oh, sorry, I'm just scared for my soul. 
So, so the point being that, I mean, the language even against Ribba is the fiercest of anything, mm -hmm. right? It's declaration of war right. from Allah and his messenger, yeah? So all those people who are doing five at the masjid, how many of those guys have mortgages? Say Probably the guy. almost all of them. Right. Don, 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 don. And so replace alcohol, as we have it in this book, with interest. Mm -hmm. Don, 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 don. So I guess, like, there might be some saint who doesn't do anything wrong, who has, like, zero interest. Um, is he the exception then, or her? I think we'd say that person is the exception. If we think of... Think of all the Muslims you know, and just like the religious-ish ones, mm -hmm. and find how many you can who do not uh, have any transactions that involve interest yeah. on a regular basis. Like or right. like, even beyond that, like there's always contradictions, right? Like, mm -hmm. even if someone's very religious, like they might be doing one thing, but then their behavior in another, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, they'll cut corners for something else and be like, no, we can get more money back if we lie about X, Y, Z. So that would be crime. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, 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 yeah, not lying. Like, whatever. Too common, or or yeah. cutting, cutting corners, whatever it is, right? Like, yeah, crime. Yeah, like, uh, like, uh, like this this, uh, this friend of mine who's an attorney, and then people will come to him to, to do, like, an Islamic will, right? And then, <laughs> then they'll say to him, you know, if we word it this way, then I can get, uh, my company can pay for, you know, the, the, the money that I have to pay you, I can get a reimbursement. And, but it's a total, like, lie. He's like, can you, can, you, can you do that? After they just went through, like, for two hours writing out an Islamic will. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's crime, yeah. So, so I'm saying even, like, uh, so even if we set aside the issue of, like, contradictions and, and crime, even in terms of pious practice, right? Uh, uh, I think, you know, interest would be like a perfect example. Yeah. You know, that, because what would be the response? Well, how else are we going to live life then? Right. Right? So. Dawn, dawn. Okay, let's continue. Again. It's not even, wait, does this do it automatically? Yeah. Oh. Maybe if there's no movement. Oh, I thought it yeah. was my chair. No, no. <laughs> it, was, it was that your heart was like so frozen. In fear and piety. That's actually more, uh, the <laughs> She's, you said piety? She's like, yeah. You're yes. Right, right. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Okay, let us continue. Yet, when he goes yeah. on to say that the philosophers... Uh, this is how corrupted I am. When I see Heath, what do I think of? Darth the bar. The yeah, Joker? Yeah. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, oh, do you guys know what hermeneutics is? No, I was really just, hoping you didn't ask me that. <laughs> just method of interpretation. So, scriptural hermeneutics would be interpretation of scripture. The philosopher's hermeneutic approach remained a minority opinion, even among the intellectual elite. He is committing a near-universal error among scholars of Islam by omitting to consider the translation, transposition, and circulation of the orientating concepts of philosophy into the formulation of theology, into Sufism, into cosmology, into fundamental conceptualizations of the nature of the human being, and thus into the larger modes of thinking and hermeneutics of Islam that is the self-expressive poetical and narrative tradition of the literary canon of the Balkans to Bengal complex. Okay, this is a really, really fascinating point. So, so, so what, uh, or what am I taking from this? So, think about how you imagine the Quran. Okay. 
Now, chances are, because the way this is the way we teach the Quran these days, like this is your source on how to live your life, right? Even though you know small modest law and everything, but this is how you live your life. But it seems as though that for so much of Islamic history, no one would deny that. But for mo for the most part, the Quran was how you think about life, yeah. which is very different. And so then you'd have to turn to something else on how to live your life, and we'd say, well, it's a sunnah. But in the philosophical outlook, the before getting into, okay, what do you do, it's how do you categorize everything. Okay. And that's coming from Aristotle. Right. So Ghazali, who is also the source material for Rumi, so these are two of the biggest thinkers in all of Islam, Ghazali's system of categories is coming straight from Aristotle. Right. So another of the biggest thinkers in all of Islam, which we've talked about in this book earlier, Ibn Sina, he's almost purely an Aristotelian thinker. And so Aristotle is a pagan, right, who comes up with this whole outlook on life and categories and this and that, and ethics and politics. He is the foundation for uh, so much of Islam, as well as so much of Christianity and, and, and to some degree, Judaism. Yeah. You're saying that because of that influence, we now look at it as a how to live life rather than how to think about life? So, yeah, so I'm saying today, uh, we don't look at the Quran as much as how to think about life, right? I'm talking about the common Muslim practice, the common Muslim throughout Chicago. It's, what am I supposed to do, right? And so, do the pray, do the fast, um, all those things. And then people will cite ayahs that say, you do this, you do that. But that may not have been the case for so much of Muslims throughout our history. During the time of the Prophet, then, and like the fourth um, Khalifa after that, yeah. what then, how did Muslims interpret Islam? Did they, was there no interpretation or was it just like they do well, they did as they were told? A, a way to answer that would be how often do we see them? like especially the Sahabas and stuff, mm -hmm. when they are uh, disagreeing with each other, how often are they citing uh, ayahs and hadith? Sure. Sometimes a little bit. More often than that, it doesn't seem to be the case. And it could be that they've just ingested it so much that they don't need to cite anything because everyone knows the same things. That's one possibility. Another possibility, another possibility is they just think about it all differently than we do. And how do they think about it? You know? Meaning I'm saying that when we today look at them, we're imagining that, okay, they have the Quran in their mind, ayahs in their mind, like they would do, they'd memorize 10 ayahs at a time and wouldn't move further unless they memorize and practice those 10 ayahs and they move to the next 10 and, and stuff like that, right? And the question is, is that what they actually did or is that how we're interpreting that? Maybe there's other passages that give a different perspective. I think it's probably a mixture of both. Couldn't it be like different people did it differently? That's what I'm saying. So Omar is probably like the first case, but you know the super Sahabas. Uh, that is probably true of Omar. That is probably true of Abu Bakr. But Ali and Uthman seem to be very different. Mm -hmm. right? It's almost like they've digested it at this very deep, deep philosophical level, different than a textual level. And uh, all four are super Sahabas. Uh, the depth you're talking about Ali and Uthman. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm just saying it as possibilities. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just basing this on whatever I remember of their specific narrations. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good.
Like, if you go through uh, Ahmed ibn Hanbal's uh, collection of hadith, so he does it by chain of narrators. So the first chapter, these are all the narrations by Abu Bakr. Next chapter, these are all the narrations by Omar. Mm-hmm. Right? And then uh, what you will find that what Abu Bakr is quoting, those hadith feel different than what Omar is quoting, which feel different than what Ali and so forth and Aisha is quoting. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that also reflects their personality. Not just the type of time they spent with the Prophet, but I think it also reflects their personality. Mm-hmm. So we have five of us here. One, two, three, four, yeah. Um, if we were uh, narrating things, I think you'd see our personalities in the things we're narrating, right? Sure. Okay. Do you like you aim to teach to the former? Me? Yeah, like how to speak the world? I think I do try to do both. Uh, but a lot of it also depends upon the nature of the class and the nature of the, the amount of time to, that I'd be spending with those people, right? So, so just before you two, um, you know, these two other students, with them, the focus is more on first trying to get them, you know, to think through an Islamic lens uh, before getting into actual text, right? A different will be like, you know, faith foundations, which is a very different approach, and that's designed for the web foundation type people. I don't think faith foundations would work for many of the other populations. All right. So. All right. Uh, let's do a little bit more. Oh, that's the end of the paragraph. Maybe we should stop right there. Okay. That was that was <laughs> that was a very eager. Okay. I mean, no, I can read the other paragraph too. Well, that will stop right here. It might just be one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Are you on? usually funny today. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Happy. Or I was like, uh, I'm the stand-up comedian in this room, not you. No. You can be a sit-down comedian. Yeah. I feel like from all the classes I've taken with you, yeah, you've taken like too many. Yeah, you've taken Islam or yeah. like the Al-Fatiha course a million times. <laughs> <laughs> That's like pretty funny. That's been like the most beneficial of anything. Uh-huh. But. It's actually pretty funny because that's like like two hours compared to everything else. But yeah, go ahead, yeah. Well, in terms of like if you need something to go back to to like reorient yourself Mm. or like clear your lens on like Allah's relationship to you when you're Mm -hmm. like all the other stuff cloud it. But I feel like you definitely teach to like how to see the world because I remember asking you like back when I was probably a sophomore. I'm like, why is the why isn't the fortress of Muslim books like witchcraft? Because it's like recited <laughs> seven times. What I say? You said I don't know if you use oh. the word CBT, but you were like, it's like CBT in the sense that oh. you were tr- like reteaching yourself how to not just protect yourself from something, but how to understand that. That's way. what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that impacted like the way I interacted yeah. with everything well, in Islam. My life has not changed. Mashallah. <laughs> I've learned the force. What's CBT? CBT is countering violent extremism. No, um, (laughs) cognitive-based therapy, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, oh, you know, um... That's pretty much what we've been doing. This is all, like, really just a session for you? Yeah, it's it's all... Literally, it's just just, just brainwashing. Yeah, I was like, there's this kid... There's this kid in class, Shazad's his name or something like that. We have a group without you. Yeah. Oh, you do? About yeah. 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 Oh, We've okay. actually finished this book a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We act more confused than we actually are. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, though. You're doing great, man. You're doing really they all believe in you. So this class is like a weekly intervention. <laughs> is there going to be like a Shutter Island style in like, like reveal? No, no, you, assume, you assume that you're already living in reality. But, yeah. <laughs>
What is reality? Yes. So is the session over? Like, am I am I good? Yeah, we're, we're done. <laughs> no. Oh, we're done for right now. Today, no, like, yeah, today you're good. No, as in like, am I here? You won't know. No. You'll never know. I love you. Yeah. It will probably do more damage than anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to know. Exactly. Oh no. <laughs> One day Shazad's gonna question his entire reality. Yeah. I think you're right And I hope you think about this moment. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Inshallah. And I'll refer you to Warren's. Yeah. In any case. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nasakfirikana tubi ilaiku akhri da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.